You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series, movie, or audio and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we're looking at episode 6 of season 3 of Bugs, entitled Fugitive. Episode synopsis. The episode begins in the thick of the action. Team Bugs, leading a crack squad of SSD troopers, raid a dangerous criminal who trades in super high-tech weapons and thwarts his pursuers with special high-tech computer wizardry. Nope, strike that. He's just a boring guns runner, and he has an ordinary PC, and he escapes because he's listening into the Strike Force's radio frequency. As he flees, leaving behind a bomb, he accidentally drops a high-tech gizmo called a CD-ROM, which Ross risks her life to retrieve. Luckily, it's an encrypted data file and not a pirated copy of Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba. Back at the office, Roz needs more CPU power to crack the sophisticated encryption algorithm on the disk, which is mysteriously labeled BJL1215, which coincidentally was the license plate number of my old Triumph TR7. She doesn't get the CPU time needed, though, as Reinhold and Davis, two particularly hard-nosed SSD agents, arrive and put the hard press on Team Bugs, with particular emphasis on the computers although Beckett pockets the original CD-ROM and Ross leaves the office in disgust. Jan supposedly outranks the head of SSD, but he doesn't act that way, calling the shots and overriding her authority. The SSD think there's a mole in Team Bugs. Their zealous actions have even extended to searching and trashing Ross's home, which Ross discovers when she arrives and starts to cry. Beckett arrives to console her and also hands her the CD-ROM for her to hide. After hiding the disc, she returns to the office and is immediately taken prisoner by Reinhold and Davis. Boss's timing is very thoughtless, as she's interrupted Reinhold and Davis's discussion of their upcoming nuptials. There's nothing like superfluous talk of two characters discussing their marriage plans to guarantee one of them isn't going to make it to the end of the episode. Boss is taken to a secret underground facility and questioned ruthlessly by Reinhold and Davis. They think she's been a foreign agent all along. Ross is beginning to emotionally break down. Jan and Beckett's efforts to intimidate Gage, head of SSD, fail. He doesn't care that she outranks him. There's a mole, and he plans to find it. There's also video evidence of Roz making an exchange with a gunrunner. Ed and Alex, remember them? Back at HQ, have proven the video fake and tracked down the name of the data disk, which leads them to a government contractor and a stolen contract disk that contains information on the security system of weapons depots. It appears the mole is in the SSD. Gage, who is impatient for results, formulates a plan which allows Roz to escape so they can track her with a bug cleverly concealed in her shoes. Roz, however, is brilliant, and she quickly realizes she's being bugged. Uh, no, strike that. The shoes were just uncomfortable and she ditched them, inadvertently throwing her pursuers off her track. The SSD folks have demonstrated that they know significant amounts of details about her life, so she comes up with a plan they'll never see through. She heads right for her boyfriend Channing's house. Beckett and Ed meet Roz at Channing's place, but the SSD are right behind. Ed and Roz make a daring escape from the roof, while the SSD agents shoot at them with super high-tech guns. Now, strike that, plain old boring guns and bullets. These guys need to update their technology. I mean, what are they, living in the 1990s? Having escaped, they go to some form of safe house, and Roz, now with a portable computer and the encryption codes, will soon have the info decoded. Channing shows up. 
I don't know how the hell he knew where Roz was. Maybe this is their special place for romantic rendezvous. Not realizing he's had a tracker placed on his car. He and Ed try to lead the SSD on a merry chase, but it fails. Reinhold figures out where Roz is and heads to intercept her. Gage gets there first and confesses everything. He is, of course, the mole. And he takes back the disc. Reinhold has arrived and hears enough, so Gage kills him. So much for his wedding plans. Gage plans to frame Roz for the murder when Davis arrives. Roz uses a distraction to escape, but Davis thinks she murdered her fiancé and goes after her with murderous intent. Roz had decrypted the data and she knows where the next heist will be. It's a biggie with actual high-tech weapons with Alpha Security, which is lethal to any intruder who isn't Usain Bolt. Roz gets in because she can drive fast and slalom through the security. She finds Gage and the gunrunner loading weapons for their final haul. There's a standoff. Davis arrives and Gage shoots and wounds her. Beckett, Ed, and Alex arrive and they get in because, oh, it turns out the security system was turned off. And they wrap up the villains, saving the day. Back at Channing's place, he's got a big question to pop to Roz. His company is merging with an American one. He's moving to California to take charge. And he would be overjoyed if Roz would do him the honor of coming with him to be head of research division. Channing, bro, learn how to play a room. The end. All right, Fugitive. What'd you think of Fugitive? Thought it was dreadful. Dreadful. I don't have yes. necessarily... <laughs> yes. Um, I, don't have, I don't have necessarily the same kind of um, objection to the fact that it's not sci-fi. <laughs> um, I'm just missing know... the good old days. <laughs> I know, I know. That's kind of why we're watching it, and and you know that that's how it's that's how the show started in the yeah good old days. Um, but I like I like the kind of espionage, political thriller, whatever type stuff. It's just a, this is just done so badly, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know whether I am more annoyed by the just kind of incidental stupidity like the slalom security system or whether it's to do with the sudden really quite weird shift in Roz's character because I mean she falls apart faster than like here bookcase it's it's incredible yeah yeah I I like this is not the character of Roz when she was when she was crying they're under interrogation I'm like I cannot credit that at all Maybe after torture, maybe after drugs, maybe after weeks of yeah. food deprivation or some sleep deprivation or something. But this appears to be, well, are you an agent? That's ridiculous. We think you're an agent. Oh, no. Not an agent. <laughs> like, wow. Okay. Um, who are you? And well, what I, have no, you done but with I, Ross? I mean, I think the thing, yeah, the thing is, it's Ross, isn't it? And, and so sort of being deprived of your liberty in the situation where you are not afforded the kind of normal legal niceties and you've no idea when you might get out or whatever would be pretty traumatic for someone like me. But we've seen Roz is pretty resilient and pretty resourceful yeah. and just generally unfazed by stuff. So why she just finds this particularly so upsetting and impossible to deal with i have no idea yeah i mean i i she and she's stupid in this episode repeatedly um or or she's not the intelligent person that 
she should be. I mean, write to Channings. They knew about your high school or your whatever level of school it was, teenage pranks with phone freaking and, and all that stuff. Well, to be and fair, they're presumably on a record. But there database. were other things that they were mentioning that they, they knew a lot about her. You would think they would know she had a boyfriend. Yes. Uh, yeah. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying it was a bright move on her part. I, I, but I think rather than necessarily being stupidity, it's at the point that she's so emotionally wrought that she's not actually engaging her brain. Perhaps. Yeah, I guess you could. Well, I mean, it's the the question <laughs> for me is still why why is she in that position where she's where she's because normally she would be able it's the to writer's to fault, not hers. Think but... cleverly because she would be calm under pressure, and mm -hmm. yeah, she suddenly she's not. She wasn't very calm under pressure when she hid the disc because I'm sorry, taking it to your boyfriend and sticking it in a CD case is is not actually that clever. Right, they they went to her house. They ripped apart all her artwork. They trashed yep. her furniture. They tore it apart. There is no reason they wouldn't go to Channing's house and do the same. And no, I'm sorry. Well, hide it among stuff no one will look at. Yes, they will. They'd start with the CD cases. I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, if they knew I, they were looking I, for I a think, disc. I, th I think the attempt was to try and channel G.K. Chesterton. And if Ross had gone to the local hour price, and there you go. Hidden it, hidden it in um, the case of a Jason Donovan CD or something. Then not, not uh, you pub thumping by Chumbawamba. <laughs> that, yeah, that's what it should be. Yeah, that no, was hot. I, I mean, I, that was number two on the charts. I, th I think, I think it could have been. I mean, it, it, it's a cracking idea. The, uh, it's a Father Brown thing, isn't it? If you want to hide a leaf, you hide it in a forest, but. This was not, as you say, a particularly thought through implementation of that principle. No, not not at all. I don't have a lot of uh, I don't have a lot of notes on this. I did not think it was a particularly good episode. I felt it bounced between, and, and I, you know, I am I'm putting this on the writer. Um, it, it it just bounced between nonsensical actions. But but here's another one. Uh, bras. Uh, for all we can see, I thought there for a moment, I thought there for a moment, Ross sits down when she's on the run and her shoe is, you can see she's limping and you're thinking, oh, I see, she can feel the, she can feel the bug in there. It's a princess and the bee thing. They didn't hide it in the sole <laughs> or in the heel. They stuck it in the toe of the shoe and she, you know, like a pebble and she's going to take it off and she shakes it off and out comes the bug and she goes, <laughs> but no. She just puts the shoe back on and keeps running, and then later we find it aside. And and for all I can see, she took it off because they were hurting too much, not because she discovered there was a bug in them. It, yeah, I see. And, right, and that's kind of bad. Another writing blunder was, and I mentioned this one in the recap. Ed takes her to, a, I don't know, a gravel processing plant or something, and Channing shows up. How the heck did Channing know where they were? Well, I assume they told him. That, I mean, to be fair, they do seem seems like to be... a dumb thing to do. Yeah, I agree. But they seem to be trusting Channing, whereas... Yeah, but his phone could have been tapped. Thinking, or his car could have been bugged. Or his could yeah. yeah. However they contacted him. But I mean, <laughs> they know about him, so you... And they planted a tracker on his car, so you'd think they were surveilling him. I'm thinking they were surveilling him. It... it it's, yeah, it's just all 
sort of, you just didn't really think this through. And of course, the whole thing with Jan and, and Gage, Jan outranking Gage, but we have to figure out a way that Gage can not have to do what he's told kind of thing. Just, just don't worry about that. I don't, that does, that seems, that seems to be a mirror of the way in which complaints investigation in the police works. Did we ever understand how it, what, why it was that they had video of Roz walking, extending her arm to no one? I don't so that think they could so. Then, <laughs> they could use that later for incriminating evidence. Yeah, that's a funny way to walk, Roz. Oh, put your hand up. Keep going. Okay, we'll use that. That was good. Thank you. Uh, it, mm, mm, yeah, it, it was, at, you know. From the standpoint of complaining about the science fiction aspect, I have I give it up on that. Uh, I I wasn't even going to mention it except in the recap because it just it seemed so mundane. Uh, everything they were doing, even at the end, the I mean, the high tech security system was a joke, more than a joke, really. And and they they kept referring to him as a gun runner, and to me, a gun runner is is that not a weapons dealer, not an arms dealer. It's a gun runner. That's a guy who gets automatic rifles, puts them in crates, and takes them somewhere to Africa where they can shoot each other in some civil war. Not, um, oh, we've got these new cool high energy. Yeah. So it was was kind of, why is the Bureau of Weapons Technology in on this one? There was a lot of continuity, though, wasn't wasn't there? Um, They, yes. I mean, there was a lot of mentioning of Jean Daniel, and then... I'm pretty sure they mentioned something that happened in the first series. I didn't make a note they of did. it. So they they it mentioned there. the thing that uh, Beckett stole to uh, defeat the baddies. Oh, from the, 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 in the hive. out of the hive. Yeah, yeah. CSAC or whatever it was, the satellite tracking yeah, that system. Was they mentioned Roland a lot, which uh, I'm here in my notes. They mentioned Jean Danielle and they mentioned Roland a lot. And I'm telling you, Cyberax will be back. Those Cyberax zombies will be back. And I thought they were setting us up for that. I was hoping they were setting us up for that, but it turned out it was just deadly mundane. Um, well, in terms oh, and of the what plane, this, the, the whirling dervish, they mentioned that too. Oh, yes. Yes. To remind you what you liked about this show for the first two years, we're going to do a brief <laughs> recap and to remind you how I, much we I don't have think, that anymore. I think, I think this episode was terrible, but I have enjoyed the first half of this series. So I... I'm not, I'm not kind of, I'm not regarding this as another bad episode from series three, which just shows how much better series one and series two were. I'm not, I'm not saying series one and series two weren't better overall, but I, I feel this is a, this is a drop in quality within series three. And right. a lot of I, I would things agree with that as well. About the more kind of mundane plots and the less sci-fi. Those things also apply to other episodes in series three that were better. It's just that this one is very much kind of focused on on the the kind of the espionage and the the politics and those are the kind and and that is a bit different. Those are the kinds of things that I do enjoy when they are done well, and this was done really badly. And oddly enough, it's and and you know in terms of you talking about who what they are setting up for the rest of the season, it feels like. It's an attempt to pay off all of these references to there being a mole, but it's also so badly done that I don't know if Gage could actually have been 
the mole they were referring to in all those prior episodes because they say they they think there's a mole in the weapon bureau of weapons technology and he's an ssd uh-huh. whatever ssd yeah is, i don't so i don't think that they department. were meant to be i don't think they were meant to imply that gauge was the problem all along i think they just had a bunch of uh let's call them abnormalities uh, well no but I, I they were just I using them against you... ross I don't think you can disconnect this plot from the plot that they, from from the problem that there was all along. In the sense that it's been suggested multiple times that, or hinted at, that there is a leak or a mole coming from within the Bureau of Weapons Technology. When SSD turned up, that is exactly what they say, and then they point the finger at Ros. And so, a reasonable assumption, given that this is something that kind of, it, it it's a show that draws things in broad strokes and trades on the conventions of the genres that it's copying. The 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 plot twist that the actual mole would be trying to shift focus onto someone else is not uncommon. I, I would I would throw up just a bit of being pedantic here in that they could not have been moles in the Bureau of Weapons Technology for the first two years because they were not in the Bureau of Weapons Technology. But, but haven't um, we had a suggestion about how long this mole has been there? Well, I thought you were saying that they were trying to tie up all the previous stuff that they mentioned, like Jean Daniel and, and the, the no, 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 no. I mean, and, oh, okay, okay. I mean, yeah, since, no, no, no. Since, since season series three, this season. Jan, Jan said, I think it was in the first episode, Jan said to Beckett, you know, we want you to look out for a mole or something like that. Yeah, I think come in because you're because you're good at spotting. I, I can't remember what the line was, but there was there was de- it was a very obvious setup line there, lacking in detail. But would it help if we had to... Gage in those episodes too? Wouldn't it? Well, it would, but that, but it you know again that's why at the end of this, I'm I'm not sure what the hell we're supposed to take away from it. No, I mean, no, I don't think the other slightly odd thing about the fact that there is always this kind of continuity from previous episodes. And, you know, given that you are laying a lot of this stuff at the door of the writer, the writer is Clive Hopkins, who has not written, I'm just saying that, not because there should be any recognition, but just to name and shame, but he has not written any previous episode of Bugs. So all all the, you know, every other episode this season, which haven't been hugely continuity heavy, have been written by returning writers from series two or earlier. But he turns up, having never written an episode before, gets Roz's character completely wrong, but it's... stuffs in all of this ludicrous yeah. continuity just to prove that he was paying attention. Well, I, I, no, okay. possibly I that, that, yeah. that is somewhat, that's the script editor sticking stuff in, I don't know, but... Yeah, it, it felt... It did feel like the writer was trying to say, "Hey, I've been paying attention." That that is actually what I was going at. But uh, but so a couple things though. He hasn't exactly destroyed the character of Roz because I feel like they've been kind of breaking down these characters all season long. They've certainly nerfed Ed and and Beckett. Look, uh, <laughs> and Roz hasn't been particularly well served. In the in the course, it says yes. This is worse. This is by far the worst uh, along the way. But it's kind of in keeping with the fact that they've decided to throw in a little bit more 
I, I don't even know what it is. Soap opera. We're going to call it soap opera um, in in the characters. Um, so, I yeah, it's inexcusable. <laughs> what they've done well, to I, us I is inexcusable. It. But in well, this well, episode, yeah. it's inexcusable. But yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. I'm definitely not trying to excuse that. What I think what I would say is that what they have been doing in this season is perhaps creating vulnerabilities within characters who have perhaps I I I guess you know, I mean partly it's the longevity of it it's into the third season and if you have these kind of completely indestructible characters then it's very hard to to get any development so I understand why they are kind of adding vulnerabilities to them but this goes way beyond to, I mean add, adding a vulnerability is say well you know yeah Ed is still this preeminent motorcycle driver helicopter pilot general stunt doing badass but sometimes he gets hurt and you know maybe that has consequences Beckett is well I'm not quite sure what the point of Beckett is but you know Be Beckett is this relatively suave generally fairly competent i'm not going to say super spy but he has these financial difficulties um ros well i assumed it was ros uh, it, you know is this brilliant inventor who it's going to turn out has a bit of a complicated or, or a bit of a blind spot in terms of her romantic life uh -huh. um, we shall see. this but, but this was not taking a character and just you know, crack, cracking a, cracking them open a little bit to show there's there's more depth than you originally thought. It's <laughs> just taking a mallet and smashing everything that we had understood about Ross's yeah. kind of cool, calm, resourceful, intelligent, resilient attitude and just turned her into a basically emotional wreck. Yeah. Also, also... Just to add one to the, I don't understand the show writer aspect. What's Roz's complaint when she can't decode the disc at the office? Computer, too slow. With this computer equipment, I haven't got the equipment. Isn't she the one that outfitted the office with the computers just six weeks ago with all sorts of expensive and cool stuff? So she bought junk, I guess. <laughs> and she doesn't know how to hack into someone that's got a bigger computer somewhere. To do that work, come on! This is raw. She should. This is not an issue for her, and yet. But later, she does it on a laptop. I know. I know. They say, "Well, now that we've got the decryption key, this won't take long." But I have to say, I I really uh, wish we were in the good old days of the 1990s when laptop batteries could run <laughs> 20 or 30 minutes of hard decryption and not go flat, or you know, not even have the fan running loud enough to drown out the conversation. I, I was, <laughs> gosh, the old days, I remember how great they were. I mean, <laughs> computers. Because um, she obviously was running on battery because they had, like, portable lanterns and stuff there for <laughs> there's no electricity. Just, um, just I, I just want to throw it back to the technology for just one second because, you know, this is not a good episode. It didn't engage me. It outraged me in many places. And then they didn't even bother to throw me a bone when it comes to something high tech. I mean, that security system does not count. 
that does not count, <laughs> which is all it was. It, it's not that I had needed the show to be about that. And I, I, I get it. The show has drifted on into the security services thing for action venture. And I can, we're going to, we're going to go through it. Science fiction or not, because we start something, we finish it. And you know, who knows what, what season four may bring or series four may bring, but they didn't even throw me a bow. They, they didn't even, you know, anything. If SSD had pulled out a sparkly energy firing weapon, I would have gone, okay, see, I, I haven't forgotten me, but they didn't. So that's all. It's just, it's, it's just like they have, it, despite of all the things they mentioned in it, it's like they've forgotten what the first two seasons were like, series were like. It, it's just really, it, it, it really took a hard right turn there. And all right, I've, I've seen other shows that have done that. Buck Rogers in the 25th century comes to mind right up. Space 1999 comes to mind. Um, but, uh, you know, here's uh, here's another one. And I, I, I don't understand. I'm not even sure why they did it. Um, but did it alienate the people who are watching it? Or did it bring in a completely different crowd? Are they not even, is it not even the same audience? They just decided, eh, there weren't enough of them, dump them, let's go for somebody else. Or is it because they started selling it overseas and they wanted to change it up for those songs? I don't know, but it is odd. I think I don't think the casual audience are going to notice that big a difference, to be honest. I mean, I hope they would notice a difference between this episode and last week's. I don't know, I've never been a member of the casual audience of anything. But 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 I I think through the first two seasons, they would have you know, registered big, the, all the explosions and stuff blowing up and general mm-hmm. action sequences and excitement and probably much less whether the MacGuffins that were motivating those things were high-tech or just, you know, as as you put it, the kind of ordinary mundane guns. Well, I don't know. <laughs> like I said, I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand human audiences, so I, I'm not going to... Try, uh, try to say one way or the other, but you know there was always some little hook about the show that, even if it was grossly implausible, there was always something there to say. You know, there's a G whiz factor. There is no G whiz factor here. That that's all. It's just eh, you guys are ordinary. You guys are ordinary people who police police gun smugglers. Apparently, you're not investigating new weapons technology that needs to be. Re- uh, regulated or anything like that you're just like these guys look at guns and we you know it's anyway let's see i did also notice in this episode part of the continuity thing is suddenly there's this talk about them being freelancers again didn't spoil that i mean they they mentioned the fact they had been freelance and they described them I... as being from semi-freelance so, as well being... that's yeah that's what i mean there's like because you guys are yeah she said something to that effect like there is still some you are not just paid government officials anymore. There was there was something there about the way Jan said that. And I thought, well, okay. it's the nineties. It could be it could be that Jan has conducted a procurement exercise and brought in outsourced security people, and then, you know, Beckett has set up a shell company to. It's possible. We haven't seen any evidence of that, but yes, I I, I agree. It could it could simply be that they are contract security, <laughs> but okay, security service. But uh, yeah, all right. Speaking of the characters, so Alex and Ed going on a date. 
did she just not shoot him down dead the last episode of the one before that? Yeah, but I think we've we had. I mean, I think it was at least the one before that. I think last time we had a bit of like she was enjoying the attention. I think there's a suggestion that she might. Yeah, I I I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I hope I, they don't get engaged because one of them will have to die. <laughs> but uh, I, I, in a fiery I did explosion. think it was, it was very strange that the um, Solid State Department, or whatever they're called, allows <laughs> two agents who are engaged yeah. to continue to be partners. That just doesn't seem to be an entirely good idea. No, it didn't seem like a good idea to me either. In fact, I thought that when they started that conversation, I immediately went, Oh, these aren't real agents. This is a well, this I, is a scam. Yeah. They, these two are are like criminals pretending to be agents, and or they're you know uh, mercenaries or something. And it's like, I, I was I was kind of surprised when it turned out no, they they really are. They're not even crooked SSD agents. Yeah, <laughs> they're just really stupid. Um, they're good at their jobs, but yeah, not to. Catherine Cantor, who played Davis, really reminded me. I I saw, I recognised her, and so I looked her up to see what I'd recognised her from, and I can't find it. She she reminds me of someone else, I think, and I haven't, in the two days since I watched this, I haven't been able to put my finger on who it is. I will go along with you and say that she did remind me of. Okay, well that maybe someone, now is that something I... we've both watched. But I, I couldn't tell you. I mean, she just sort of, I didn't recognize Reinhold at all. But, you know, no, I, 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 she just kind of looked like somebody I'd seen in something somewhere, but couldn't. No, I didn't, didn't recognize know. him. I, I also didn't recognize, although maybe it's less surprising, that the guy who, I, I spotted this when I looked up Catherine Cantor, the guy who was in the um, archives when they were trying to identify the code on the disc was Tenniel Evans who is famous for being in the long-running radio series The Navy Lark, along with John Pertwee, uh. just to try and maintain the sci-fi connection. And in, and in fact, maintaining the John Pertwee connection, he was also in The Carnival of Monsters, as well as about four episodes of The Avengers. What was he in Carnival of Monsters? Major Daly. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. The, on the ship. Yes. All right. Yes. And while, and while, while we're on Doctor Who connections, <laughs> Rudolph Walker, who played Gage, was in a couple of episodes of The War Games, it turns out. One of the Civil War soldiers on the north side. Could be. They, they did have a couple of actors of color, which is unusual for Doctor Who in that era. Uh, that is on true. That, on that team. I can't say... I can't say... I, Instantly, you know, the moment we watched this episode, I went, "Oh, it's so and so from the War Games." Um, but uh, yeah, just when Fair I was enough. checking his uh, credits. Speaking of the scene with the guy at the uh, at the the archive, yeah. <laughs> For the sake of how people work, if somebody comes to you and says, "I would like some information about file five nine five, who in their right mind? would assume that you're talking about old 595 and not new 595 first. Who in their right mind would reuse the same 
reference. Yeah, yeah there's, there's, well, there's that too. <laughs> there's that too. Um, I have, um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 there are reasons for it. They're not great reasons, but, 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 but I could see it. But yeah, no one would ever think that I wanted to look at the old one first. You would go to the current files, you would pick the current file, and you go, here it is. And they go, oh, that's not it. And then you go, oh, well, we do have the old numbering system. Maybe, maybe we go back there. You know what it is? It's Y2K. It's a Y2K joke. Is it? I think so, because we're talking about, he said when they hit 99999, it rolled over. Oh. So they might be talking about the whole date thing, because it's be coming up in just a by 1997, we were all freakishly on that remediation efforts. So it, it might and, and be. Yeah, we, we famously went from 1999 to year zero. Yeah, yeah. So say so, no, we're not. We're not going to carry on. We'll just we'll just reuse some of the old years. Yep. This is um, this is a stupid uh, this is a stupid system, and we're going to point it out. Um, okay. Uh, I'd like to point out that Channing's house is weird. Now, I realize that's obviously, I'm guessing that's obviously a real manor house somewhere, but it is a weird, it is a weird house. When I was looking at it, the proportions are all strange. It's surprisingly small, as in narrow and tall. And of course, when you're inside, it's got that internally wrapped staircase that goes all the way up to the top. It's like, this is an incredible waste of space in this house. I, I assume it was a real one that they just used for location footage. But I kind of looking at it, and, and after I started looking at how weird it was, I thought, oh, cool. They're going to blow it up. And they didn't. I thought it was a, a set piece for blowing up. I really did. <laughs> it's like, we need, we need an explosion about halfway through the thing, and I think blowing up Channing's house would be hilarious. Because then he and Ross well, would have to get their own place together separately. And that would even further vex Beckett. <laughs> Maybe they're but saving uh, blowing it up for the, F the end of season final episode. Yeah, but is Channing even going to make it to the final episode now that he's moving to America? I I still I still think Channing is this, yeah. It, it still, felt like in this episode they were trying to take tingly. the suspicions off of him, though. Yeah, it it really did. And it makes me more suspicious. Well, but in the hands of this writer, who knows? Could just be sloppy. Oh, they didn't tell me that he was the bad guy, so I decided to send him off to America after popping the question that we were all expecting him to pop. Would it be my head of research? Wow. Wow, that was... I mean, they did, and they did it on purpose. They obviously did it on purpose. Oh, yeah. Was, I'm going to America. And she said, well, I thought we were, uh... and he goes, oh yeah, I'm glad you thought we were, uh, cause I want you to come with me and be head of research. What? No, that was the time. I'm not saying he's ready for it, or, or, but that was probably the moment. That was probably the moment to pop the, the marriage question, not the head of research in another country question. It just, it, it, it didn't, um, yeah. And, and of course, that would have vexed Beckett even more. Moving to America might vex Beckett for a few episodes as well. But, uh, yeah. I have one last thing. Is when it? Reinhold was um, interrogating Roz, playing good cop to Davis's bad cop, he had a pen. Roz specifically called out, 
Where'd you get that pen? I just got it at the supply cabinet. Why? What? Well, oh, I, I mean, I it, 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 yeah. it, it stinks of Chekhov's pen. It does. But, nope. Just, just forgotten. I thought there was something on it, you know, like uh, Wilhelm's arms dealer or something. <laughs> just, but no, it's just, it doesn't appear to be Ross trying to do something to just divert the conversation, uh, you know, to turn the, turn the, uh, turn the tables on her interrogator or, uh, yeah. no, it's, it struck, it struck me as being, as meaning something, except I then forgot about it and didn't notice it hadn't been paid off. Yep. Uh, can anything else? Cause I, I sure don't. I no, I'm, I don't have much to say about it. Sadly. I mean, it's disappointing when an episode's not only bad, but it's, it's not bad enough to, to generate enough kind of moral um, outrage. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the next episode is Happily Ever After with a question mark. So, um, well, that, there you go. That's definitely about being head of research. Yeah. Yeah. It does feel like that, doesn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> Not saying that's, that's leading me somewhere, but uh, it, it seems like that might be. I, you know, a funny thing is th- this episode entitled Fugitive, right? At first, yes. I, you know, I saw the title and, I thought, oh, one of the team's going to have to go on the run and be a fugitive. And then they started off with them tracking down this guy who's obviously a fugitive. And I thought, oh, no, it's it's actually going to be about them tracking down this fugitive who's probably got some sort of resistant strain of smallpox or something that's that's going to, or a nanovirus disease that's going to kill the world if they don't catch him. Or, or nope, nope. In fact, he was barely in it. He's in it at the beginning, and he was in it right at the end, and a brief clip on video, and in the middle, and he was. He I was think Roz is the fugitive in the title. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, eventually, I got to that point, but I, I they they yeah. turned my expectations from the title around at the beginning, and then. But and I, then when they I, jumped her and threw a bag over her head, I thought, oh okay, yeah, she's going to escape. Yeah, well, yeah, because most of the time she's not a fugitive, so it's not, it's not the obvious yeah. title to go for. You, you kind of feel like. If an episode is called Fugitive, you're not getting value for money unless one of your heroes basically spends the entire episode running away and outwitting baddies in various different ways. And that didn't really happen. We got about five no. minutes of it. And she didn't outwit them at any at any and, stage well, yeah. of the way. She did not outwit them. Well, in that case, Diamond, thank you for joining me. Azure, as always. Listeners, I hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash Fusion Patrol or patreon.com slash Fusion Patrol. For our monthly Patreon subscribers, we're currently running a special series on Babylon 5. Come join the conversation and find other content at FusionPatrol.com. And we're back on social media, where you can also follow us on Mastodon and the Fediverse. Our address is at podcast at FusionPatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. Where would you rather be? In a town that doesn't have speaking? Or on an island that really stinks? 
Next time on Fusion Patrol, you get to find out when we look at the Neo Ultra Q episodes, the town that doesn't speak, and the extremely smelly island. Join the conversation on Fusion Patrol.